In this Macon original story, Alex talks to friend and longtime collaborator Arthur Bray, better known as Yeti Out, and hears how Wild Nights in University, a love for club music, and a crazy roommate laid the foundations of a DJ and promoting entity that's quickly reaching out across Asia and beyond. So, grew up in Hong Kong, obviously, and then went to university in Brighton, which is a city right outside London, where there was three of us as housemates in this university hall. And Stephen is this crazy dude who's, uh, God bless him, he's like such a fun guy. But he had a bit of a drinking problem, so he would just like get turned up like every night, like anyone would in like first year of university. But like, the thing with Stephen is he also looks a bit like a Yeti. He just has this like rugged and like intense face. and. Uh, Pretty much a guy, he's like a mythical dude, you know? So if we're talking about the origin of the actual name, it's named after this cat who's, uh, who's a bit of a madman. There's a few other wild stories that didn't make it into this recording, but let's just say that Steven's bizarre antics would be right at home in any other epic legend. Stephen would like, you know, go out and like get super smashed. And then after night out, we, we were getting a night bus home or whatever. And this is just an example. Like we just like smell chicken on the bus and we find him at the back of the night bus, just covered with like bits of chicken all over him. And he just looked like this like rowdy dude. Like he make it a custom to like run home every Tuesday night after a student night, pretty much like butt naked, but holding like, a box of chicken. And the thing is, Stephen lived in the basement, right? Now that part about the basement will come into play later, but for now, let's leave off by saying that Steven's story would come to an end just as quickly as it had started. Just one year later, he faded into memory, but his reputation and his likeness would go on to inspire the Yeti Out brand to this day. Before uh, we had to give the apartment back um, to the landlord in second year, you know, we, we walk into like Steven's room and he's like, packing up his bags and we're like, bro, like, where are you going, man? It's like, oh, I'm just gonna like go back up to Birmingham, go up north to like drop off some of this stuff and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back. Like, yo, you better come back, bro, because there's like a hole in the wall. Like, there's a hole in the wall that you've kicked in, like, and he's like, yeah, no, no, I got it, I got it. And then so he goes up and yeah, pretty much like we never see him again, dude. Like, we never see him again. Like, well, he's, he's around, right? Like, but pretty much like it's kind of mythical because what we've heard and what, what you know Facebook tells us is, is that he went back to uh, Birmingham and started working in the, in the, meat, <laughs> the meat section in Sainsbury's, right? So he completely fucked up university. He never fixed the wall. So like come handing the apartment back to landlord, um, you know, that came out of his deposit. Throughout university, it's safe to say Arthur wasn't content on staying in and studying either and was always on the lookout for new music and experiences. Together with his twin brother, Tom, the two would regularly make their way across England and absorb the different local sounds and atmospheres, on a budget no less. And like I said, like they listen to techno and house uh, a lot more than we did. So I'll go up there and just like sample what, you know, North of England is listening to and uh, what we're, li we're listening to down here. So we just do like kind of like musical exchange and stuff. And like a lot of times, you're taking these buses that like take about four or five hours to go all the way up north. I remember this one time actually, I mean, like talking about stories like in the middle of like buttfuck nowhere, like these buses go through the whole fucking country, right? So like you're going through these little villages and eventually the, the, the bus driver has to stop to like take a piss break or like everyone needs to like stretch their legs a little, right? And you know, I get off the bus and pretty much, you know, I, I go take a piss, go, go eat, whatever, get a snack. And then I come back and the, the bus is gone, right? <laughs> 
And I'm like, oh shit, like they just left like without really counting their heads or whatever. And then, and I'm like, oh shit, this is this bad. So I was just stranded in, in some village and uh, the next bus came through and I was like, dude, like if you guys go to Manchester, can I jump on? Like I, I, I kind of, that's my end destination. And I, I got my bags in the other one. And it's like, yeah, that's cool. And I jump on and it's like all these like, like old people, these like grannies and like grandma, like, oh, like, I hope, you, I hope you're okay. Like, you know what I mean? And I just like made friends with all these like, like old people who were just like really caring, like just like looking after you and everything. And it was just like one of the sort of incidents that happens when you, I don't know, just sort of road tripping as a student, right? <laughs> Aside from partying with his brother across cities and getting lost on the way to Manchester with a bus full of senior citizens, Arthur's return to England put him in touch with genres that took him out of the musical comfort zone he developed growing up in Hong Kong. I guess like, you know, university was great. Being in England was great in general because up till I was about 18, I was only listening to a lot of like American hip hop, you know, like a lot of Dipset, Jada Kiss, Fabulous, like a lot of like sort of ghetto Fabulous stuff. And then as I got to like 18, 19, I was listening to like house music, like Ministry of Sound and stuff. But when I went to Brighton and eventually London, like it just opened me up to like so many different genres. But just as Arthur's musical tastes were evolving, so was the music scene in the United Kingdom until it accumulated with the explosion of a genre that came to dominate the early 2010s. Around about 2005, 2006, dubstep really exploded in the UK. And we'd go to these big ship container shacks at the end of the pier. And we would just roll up and we'd get earphones at the door and you go in and the whole fucking shack is just shaking. Like, it's just shaking, right? Like, it's just wobbling. You know, you're instantly like waved. You're like sideways, you're rolling around, all the rest of it. There's a lot more elements to club culture than considered. And they weren't just about the music, but the experience that surrounded everyone entering the space. With so many different genres, artists, and years of shared music and club experiences, all of this had to live somewhere, to be experienced and enjoyed by other like-minded people. This is where the now-defunct Yeti in the Basement blog began. We go to these nights called Super Dub Pressure, where we get earplugs, get a couple pints, and you're kind of like looking around, you're like, dude, what the fuck is a DJ? Like, I'm just dancing to like these speakers. And then you realize the DJ's up on top of the speakers and you're just dancing to a wall of speaker sound systems, which is put together by the promoters and DJs. So the promoters will take pride in rigging their own sound systems. They don't like, a lot of times DJs come, come to gigs now with like a USB and they just play other people's songs, right? So they'll, they'll have their own sound systems. Yeah, they'll just make sure the whole arena, the whole room is created to their sort of direction, you know? So Super Dub Pressure was like a big night. It, it should be, you know, noted here that like Yeti in the basement is um, uh, a huge sort of reflection of like what we were listening to back then and like the sort of sounds that we were really excited about, you know? So whether that's breakbeat or drum and bass or like dubstep or there, there wasn't so many techno parties in Brighton but, you know, my, my, my twin brother, Tom, who was in Manchester, he was listening to a lot of tech house, techno and stuff. Uh, whereas down south where we were in Brighton was more like rootsy, more dub, more like bass driven music, you know? So that's another thing that was really interesting. Having my brother in the same country as me, uh, well, he, he's a twin, you know? So we're, we're in the same age group. So we're pretty much like going through this like process together where we're like 
yo, this is crazy, you know, that's like so, so many different types of music we can like dip our um, toes into, you know, and like just like sample whatever we want. That said, the days of Yeti in the basement as it was known would come to a close with the passage of time and the influence of rapidly advancing social technologies. We had to change the Yeti in the basement name because pretty much the whole blog came out of this era of like pre-Instagram where everyone used Hype Machine, which is like this um, blogging platform. It's, it's kind of like the Google for blogs, you know? So like this is pre-Instagram, like people went on blogs a lot to download music and stuff. But then as things evolved, no one actually went on blogs anymore. So then we stopped blogging and then we just focused on doing the parties and stuff like that. Uh, and then eventually I, I moved from London back to Hong Kong. And I think when I mentioned this whole like uh, dub pressure night is because, you know, these club nights cost like 15 bucks, 15 pounds to get in, right? So it's like, if we run a blog, suddenly we're press, we're like journalists or whatever, like, and if we post like a flyer on the blog, we'll get like guest lists and stuff like that, you know? So uh, inadvertently, we were just stoked to have a blog because we started being able to get to music nights for free or like being able to like go check out DJs or artists that we look up to because we can just post a flyer on a Tumblr page. There were certainly perks to getting backstage at shows they would probably go to anyway. But as the Bray brothers made their way back to the East, the scope of the Yeti branded collective would take its biggest leap, bringing themselves to the heights they enjoy today. When I moved back to Hong Kong and my brother moved to Shanghai, that's when we took things a bit more seriously. Like before, it was just more about friends going out, writing a blog post, having fun. But now it's more like we're taking care of bookings from artists we, we like in, in the UK and the US and we're bringing them to Asia. Um, so we've kind of created this sort of ecosystem where we still want to be able to go to these nights that we get excited about, but we can't do it because we're in Asia, right? So how do we solve this problem? We um, work with Erison, who's still living in London, um, and he might send us recommendations or whatnot, or we might reach out to an agent and we just want to recreate that kind of energy and that kind of scene in Asia, like in, in Hong Kong or Shanghai. So I think we're fortunate enough to be located in two different cities, which makes booking artists um, a little bit easier because a lot of times if we want to bring the price down for uh, a certain DJ or a certain artist, like they need to be in more than one day. With Tom being in Shanghai and me being in Hong Kong, that's automatically like uh, two dates covered. And then through living in Asia for the last five years, like we've developed um, a good network of friends um, and like-minded promoters and people who also enjoy like quality music. So whether that's like the guys at Cake Shop or Cherry in Singapore or um, Naoki in Tokyo, there's always people who, who want to create like good parties too, you know? So now that we've turned Yeti in the basement into Yeti out, we're focusing more on uh, bookings and programming while still trying to create the same energy through each one of our parties that we do. As someone who's shared the stage with Arthur over the years, I'd hear of his developments, but never really quite grasped the bigger picture. However, right now it's really clear just how far Arthur has come along. The most interesting thing now is seeing how he embraces both the role of a forward-facing DJ and also a promoter. There's certain DJs that are really technical, you know, like they, they could be turntablists or DMC champions. And I think those will always be the people that I, I look up to. 
But then there's like a new breed of DJs who are more about playing music that supports a certain musical style or a certain lifestyle. So, I mean, it could be argued that this kind of new breed of like selectors or DJs aren't really DJs because they're not as technically trained as, you know, the former example. But I feel like these guys are people who are more into creating an experience rather than calling themselves DJs, you know? So I think, yeah, the whole DJ debate could get really like touchy because, you know, some people would be like, oh, if you don't play on vinyl, you're not a DJ, you know? So, so um, where, where do you fall on that spectrum? I wouldn't be brave enough to be like, I'm a DJ, you know? I would just be like, you know, I, I want to open I want to open for my parties because like the end goal is to like bring good music to a certain city that doesn't have a particular option for that you know so that's the end goal like the end goal isn't for me to be like headlining and like playing like a really good set that people need to focus on me like i'm not the focus like the focus is like right. the whole evening you know like the, the focus is creating a good experience. The focus is to create a good experience and to allow people to, to listen to music and go to nights that aren't otherwise available. The fact that I'm DJing is just to save me costs for booking an opening act, you know? Right. Do you know what I mean? So, and I think now we've, we've gotten the chance to, uh, you know, tour and travel a bit as Yeti out. And I think in this instance where we are being booked to DJ, um, I think the focus is to ensure that the hour or two hour long set that we're playing is reflective of um, the sort of music, music that you hear in the party. Hearing his response, it's pretty clear that Arthur's goal remains focused on contributing to the greater experience and delivering to the crowd. It just so happened that he was on his way to do a set later that night. So we ended by asking him about what it means to be a DJ. I think the interesting thing right now with uh, like DJing and going to parties is like, you really need to know your audience and how each party differs to the next, you know? So in the UK or, or in, in other places, you might go to a club night or you, you might go to um, an event to listen to new music. So the whole idea of like seeing your favorite DJs to like, I guess like be educated, right? Um, and to learn about something that you didn't know before. Whereas I think the, the phenomenon now is that people want to listen to music that they've heard or they've listened to on the, in the car like 10 minutes ago. So it's almost like they want to like have this experience reenacted uh, within a clubbing environment with other people, you know? So as a DJ, I think, uh, do you like play music that people don't know or do you play like just bangers that people do know? And I think maybe 2017 is a, it's a very interesting time where you have to straddle the balance between both, you know? Like maybe you have to drop one or two songs that people don't know and then bring them back to like tracks that they do know so that at least they're still attuned to like your set, right? If you go too left or you go too far, then they just like do this guy's like being too alternative. So it's like I, they still need to trust you. Yeah, yeah. So they still need to trust you and you still need to kind of guide them uh, through a journey where they're not too unfamiliar, you know? Yeah. But then if they're too familiar, they'd be like, this guy's just like playing a top 40 set. 